Hey, welcome to episode 56 of Scar Bearers. I'm Chris D.T. Gordon. It is fantastic to have you here with me today. And with me in a technological sense, if I can say that word correctly, is Nate Barron and Britton Barron. I guess are Nate and Britton Barron. They are helping me with the post-production and theme music on this lovely episode, as well as all of my episodes. If you want them to do their magic on your creative projects, just reach out to them at Nate Barron. Well, folks, you know, I love sharing my message. And if you want to figure out what's going on with me and my speaking endeavors, please go to linktr.ee forward slash Chris DT Gordon. You can find my speaking websites. You can also find the link to my the book I helped write, Blue Talks Presents Business Life in the Universe, Volume 3. You can also find these lovely items that I'm wearing, like my tag beanie and my Pass on Perfection Go for Greatness shirt at Chris DT Gordon's Tag and Pop Shop. Again, it's all at linktr.ee forward slash Chris DT Gordon. Well, today I am joined by my new friend, Susan Moser. Susan, how are you doing today? I am doing really great. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, I love my, getting to connect. The same here, same here. You know, it's really weird how this pandemic has brought people together while keeping us apart. Absolutely. It's actually been a really incredible thing to witness the capacity to connect in new and very, very meaningful ways. Um, and I think the pandemic has offered people an opportunity actually to connect on a much deeper level because we all understand that we're not just the jobs that we do, but the lives that we lead are much deeper than that. And we've actually been confronted with the opportunity to make that much more public um, than we ever were in the past. Oh yes, I agree, definitely. It's It's been really weird. In my one of my signature talks, I, I describe that this pandemic is like, our global uh, origin story you know that we all are given this this trial that we have to go through and our choices determine how we either succeed or fail in that trial and so yeah i totally agree that we're all in this together so let's, absolutely let's play nice and so something that you and i have in common is like those trials that I just talked about, we have faced our own trials, but whereas mine came in later in life, like Maybelline, you, you were born with it. You were born with your issues. So if you wouldn't mind uh, describing that story for us, that'd be great. Absolutely, yeah. So for me, I am a lifetime cancer survivor, literal life born with cancer, um, uh, sacral cancerial teratoma, it's the technical name. Um, and I'm actually the only documented case in history of my particular diagnoses and magnitude. Um, at the time I was born, there had been only one other case of it at all and nobody ever born with it. And so, you know, I came out fighting <laughs> uh, and basically, you know, through a lot of great fortune, uh, incredible medical attention and parents who simply refused to uh, believe or give in to any sort of sentiment that I would do anything other than survive, right? Um, came out of it and, you know, 35 plus years later, I'm living a truly amazing and empowered life that I 
I'm just incredibly fortunate to get to do every single day. I'm, I'm a mom to an incredible two and a half year old. I have a wonderful job. I'm a lawyer by training, have a hybrid business position, actually through the pandemic, have actually started my own mindset mentorship uh, program. And so just living a world of great fortune and, and true authenticity, but that wasn't really always the case. Yes, yes. I was going to say, you know, yeah. you 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 kind of skipped over not the interesting part, but yeah. the part that kind of makes my show, you know, you know unique is like, well, well, okay, that's great. You have all this great stuff, but we want to go back to the struggle. So yeah, so the so, struggle, the struggle is real, and it was real for almost three decades. And it's not that the struggle doesn't exist anymore, right? Mm -hmm. Nobody lives in this pretend fairy tale of ignorance, right? We all have our struggles, but for me, I would say. I lived completely and utterly devoid of a recognition of or acknowledgement of how my health realities impacted who I was until I was about 26 years old. Until I was 26, you wouldn't hear me say the word survivor. You would barely hear me say the word cancer. I would never talk about what impact or what realities my treatments and surgeries left me to manage. So as a result of all my surgeries and my chemotherapy, you can imagine there are many, many long lists of late and long-term effects. Um, it included a lifetime of living in diapers until I was 31 and had um, surgery to get an ostomy, which is now a permanent ostomy that I wish I got a whole lot sooner because it gave me a whole new life. Um, but, you know, that experience you know, was bookended by lots of hospital stays, lots of medications, uh, you know, a life of hiding. I, I hid. I mean, there are people in my life who have known me for my entire life and didn't know about the extent of my health issues. Um, and so I grew up completely hiding it. And as we all know, shame breeds in the darkness and shame breeds in silence. And so I grew up not recognizing that what I was creating was a dynamic of anger and shame built from this silence. Wow. And I didn't realize it until much later in life, my mid-20s, that that reality really debilitated a true self-worth, a true capacity to connect with other people, and a true ability to really embrace who I was. And although from the external perspective, objectively a successful life, you know, great education, great job, great family, great friends, all the things, right? The mind is super powerful to debilitate on a consistent basis, despite what the world may see. Oh. And, right. And so I would work from my hospital bed, right? I worked in big law and I'd be sitting in a hospital bed pulling hours because that's what you're supposed to do. And you're a high achiever and you put the hours in, mm -hmm. but I didn't realize that the motivation behind that was in part because there was this fear that I couldn't be counted on because I was sick. I had to compensate mm. for the fact that I wasn't well, right? Or talk about relationships, needing to compensate for being the difficult one that somebody has to deal with. Or with all the shame and all the anger and the intensity that I bring to life, this idea that intensity can't coexist with compassion and love. And what does that look like? And so, you know, my struggles aren't the same necessarily as others who may have gone through chemo and cancer and all of the things with reconciling who they were 
versus who they are now. But, you know, I very much lived, breathed and had to fight through what it meant to be a survivor. How did it impact me without defining me? Mm-hmm. And also embracing the concept that I actually belong in the survivor world, right? Like just because I don't have a before and after, just because I was a baby when everything first happened, doesn't mean I haven't fought every single day through all of it all over again. Yeah, that's that, that's quite profound because, you know, usually those of us who have you know, suffered and survived through something. We do have that before. And like you said, you just came out of the womb. All right, let's the struggle begin. And so, yeah, that's amazing. Now, I do want to go back a little bit. You said that you were in diapers until 31. And I'm sorry, I'm not making the connection. What, I guess, what about your situation caused you to have that? So because of the uh, surgeries, that I had, uh, they had to remove the sphincter muscle and some other matters that control your bowel movements. And so I had no control. I had no ability to know when I had to go to the bathroom. I did enemas every day um, as a way to try and uh, mitigate and control and manage, but it didn't really work. Um, And so because you didn't have, I didn't have any sensation of when I had to go to the bathroom or the ability to stop it if I did, um, I had to live in diapers. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I, I would say, oh, crap, but that seems. <laughs> um, yeah. so, and then you said that you also had an ostomy. Mm-hmm. What is that exactly? So um, I, at 31, uh, got what's called a colostomy. And so they took part of my colon, my intestine, and they created a, what's called the stoma. Um, and I actually now go to the bathroom through the stoma that's out of into my stomach area and into a bag instead and so they cut off you cut off sort of all the movement down and out (laughs) so it changes your digestive system all 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 of that uh so food habits everything needs to change after you get one um, most of the time so can you explain uh some of those changes so for me, um, I had already needed to manage a pretty complex diet uh, and I had bowel obstructions um, because my GI system didn't work the same way. I had uh, results, late and long-term effects of some of the drugs that I was on as a baby prevented my system from being able to move food through or digest it properly. So I had already needed to not have gluten, not have fiber. I'd have stretches where I was on liquid only. I honestly, high processed foods were better for me, easier to break down for a long time, but you know, not the healthiest. That doesn't lead to the healthiest lifestyle. So actually after I got my colostomy um, and uh, shortly thereafter, my husband and I found out that I couldn't carry my son. Um, and we needed a gestational carrier. And that process actually helped me commit to figuring out an approach to food and nutrition and fitness that worked for this new system. I was less than a year into my ostomy when all of that started to develop. Um, and so I now, it's taken me a lot of trial and error. For those of you out there dealing with diet and nutrition and figuring out foods that work for your system, whether it's IBS or Crohn's or UC or anything like that. It's a lot of trial and error. And it can be very scary because 
you never know. I would wake up on any given day and I believed that I could be in the hospital by the end of the day. Oh, wow. Whether it was because I had a flare, an obstruction, I ate the wrong thing, I had too much inflammation, whatever it was, I could be in the hospital literally at any given moment. And it's really scary to go through a day like that. And I don't think people recognize, for those of us who might be living with chronic ailments, the amount of energy that your subconscious spends paying attention to what could be is very exhausting. And I'll take it back to when I was growing up. I didn't realize until my late 20s and early 30s the amount of energy my brain spent trying to hide and figure out and plan for the what if scenario of having an accident in school, of who could go to the beach when you wear diapers, right? Of any sort of relationship dynamic. It's a lot of energy to spend even when you're not trying to spend the energy on it. So if you find yourself either yourself or dealing with somebody who might be managing through some of these chronic situations, you might just want to be aware of this idea that in the background of their mind, they are always identifying as a fighter. And it takes a lot of energy to do that. Wow. What you're describing, Susan, reminds me of when I don't close out apps on my phone. Totally. Because when I leave all those apps on, they're all running, they're all doing something. Eventually it's going to run out of battery life a lot faster than if I were able to, you know, close things down and work one at a time. So that must have been exhausting for you to live even on a normal, you know, normal day being able to function because you have all those different worries. What did your, you know, how did your parents, uh, you know, help you uh, plan for success or at least divert, you know, disaster from happening? So my parents made a decision and I will always stand by the fact that it was the right decision to not talk about it. It was never going to be an impediment. My realities were just going to be things that I dealt with. And um, I was empowered to always believe that there was absolutely nothing I couldn't accomplish, right? Um, Now, the flip side of that, of course, is that when you don't talk about something, as I've said, you just qualify it as something to be ashamed of. And so in my 20s and early 30s, I had to do a lot of self-reflection, a lot of work myself to unwind some of the unintended consequences of being told over and over and over again that this doesn't define you and this doesn't impact you and this can't stop you because I took that to the extreme, right? I so wanted to not be defined by my health that I refused to acknowledge that it even impacted me in any way. So I would never admit, right, to your point, that I was out of energy. I just found a way to have more energy. I found a way to power through. And I am forever grateful and feel fortunate to have been in an environment where I was encouraged to always push more and more and more and not be a victim of my circumstance. Um, And I also know that I was extraordinarily, I was extraordinarily fortunate to have the resources of my family to get the medical attention that I needed when I needed it. Because when we need to go into emergency mode in my household for medical, it's like nothing you've ever seen. 
And so my mom would sleep in the hospital with me, right? She would always tell me absolutely everything is going to be fine. There's absolutely nothing to worry about. We have it all under control. It's all going to be fine, right? We just never let a mentality of defeat enter our ethos. Mm -hmm. And that has such positive impact. It does have unintended consequences, right? But now in my stage of life, I have the great fortune of having an amazing relationship with my parents, with my siblings, where we've all had to open up about it. I, my opening up about it has made everybody else open up about it, right? Because you influence those around you. Yes. And it's been amazing to get and continue to receive a new kind of love around it because they understand that I'm in a position of strength right now to be able to talk about it and to be able to interact with it and to be able to give it some credence without being a victim to it. So have you ever, first of all, uh, that is remarkable, you know, that you're able to, again, you know, this is uh, uh, just looking at from a, a, you know, backing up a little bit, a huge uh, testament to your strength of character that you're able to take this situation and look at it that way. Have you ever decided, well, you know, I'm going to go ahead and talk to people about this once you were able to make that shift of we're never going to talk about it to, <laughs> yeah, we have to handle this. This is, this, we just can't push it aside. Yeah. So I've gone through, I think, phases that many people come go through when they're learning to come to terms with their own experiences. So I've done speaking engagements uh, specifically around this. Um, I'm pretty open on my social media and engaging. I'm always open if anybody wants to speak about it. And just, you know, over the past year or so, I have put myself out there and started this company called Grow Into Greatness, which although geared towards more generally mindset motivation and mind, what I call my mindset revolution work, right? A lot of that has been grounded in connecting with people who are trying to, you know, weigh and balance how do they accept certain realities in their life. And for many, it's health. For some, it's dynamics in their past that aren't health related, but have similar impacts on their ethos. And how do you get your mind to fuel you instead of debilitate you through that? Um, I would forever take the opportunity to speak on this because I just feel more and more empowered to speak about the ginormous benefit of speaking about this, right? Vocalizing not only heals, but it energizes as well. And so when you're keeping things in and you don't even realize it, right? We talked about the energy suck. The inverse of that is release, right? We all, I think, understand the concept of release, yes. but it also, we talked at the way beginning, right? This pandemic has allowed us all to connect in new ways and very meaningful ways. And I truly believe, um, because I've seen it for myself and for many others, authenticity cannot be denied. The energy that is created by being your authentic self creates opportunities that you can't even fathom when you're trying to fit into some sort of box. Mm -hmm. And those are the opportunities that will give you the greatest sense of purpose, greatest sense of self-worth, and actually give you the highest sense of achievement. 
not just checking a box on accomplishing something, but actually being somebody, mm-hmm. right? And I just, so yeah, I always take any opportunity to speak on this because I always want people to understand for whatever it is that they might grapple with, that the exercise of grappling with it is going to reveal to you your authentic self in a way that's going to empower a self-worth that there's no other way to tap into. So what is one of the more remarkable, um, I guess, metamorphoses that you have mm-hmm. seen through your work, you know, that someone else has experienced? So I, it's amazing to me how fast a mindset revolution can come to somebody just by giving them the space to interact with their thoughts. So I've had people who in the first five minutes sit there and have said, I've been grappling with this concept of failure, right? I I failed because of X, Y, and Z. And within 10 minutes, they're sitting there saying, huh, it's not a failure that that happened. That happened so this could happen. Mm -hmm. I endured that so that I could accomplish this. I didn't succeed in that thing in the way I wanted to succeed in that thing so that I could learn this lesson and succeed at this new thing. Mm. The capacity, what always blows my mind in such a powerful way is the capacity for you to actually recognize that your thought is not married to reality right? It's just married to your brain's desire to keep you protected and safe. Once you can break that, right, then you can start saying all these things that I've labeled a judgment on actually can serve me to push farther and farther ahead. And that's the type of, I mean, when you talk about what's one of the biggest metamorphoses, that's honestly like one of the biggest, seeing somebody sit there and say, all these things that I've declared as a failure, and the reason why I can't do this other thing are actually not failures at all. And now they're ready to go do this other thing that they five minutes ago said they could never take on. That's huge. It's huge, it's huge. Uh, another thing, I had a, a woman that I've worked with for a while. And the first time we met, she said, I said, what, what is your biggest aspiration? Like, what do you want your life to look like? And she currently doesn't live very close to her kids. She's like, I just, I want to go be with my kids, right? I was like, so why not? Why, why aren't you moving? Just go, go be with them. Well, I have to get a job and I have to do this and I do that. Why? Why can't you go be with them? What is actually stopping you from going to be with them? Not long after that conversation, she had a conversation with her boss saying, I am moving at the end of this year. I would like to continue working for you remotely, but you let me know if that can't happen. And her boss said, yeah, I want you to continue working for me. So I said to her, hey, remember that first conversation when you told me you need to go find a job before you moved? Turns out that was false. Mm. And once you took the action, because the desire of the aspiration was bigger than the fear, right? Was more debilitating than the fear of having to find a job, turns out you didn't need to find a job in the first place. That's the kind of stuff I love when people recognize that they're like, I'm creating roadblocks for myself because I'm protecting myself. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, 
that's very akin to something I say in one of my talks. I say, where your thoughts go, your mind and body will follow. And so once you allow your thoughts to explore those avenues of, you know what? Yeah, I am going to go lift my kids. Your, your mind's going to figure out, like you said, figure out a way to get it done. Yeah, it's, it's the reality is the following, right? The, there's a, a statistic that I love, and it's the statistic that really grounded me in understanding the power of mindset. And that is that the average person has 60,000 thoughts a day. 60,000 thoughts. 80% of those thoughts, negative. 95% of those thoughts, the same as the day before. No wonder we're all stuck. No wonder we all think there's no way to change our circumstance. Mm -hmm. But the reality is, is do you remember having 60,000 thoughts every single day? No, you remember what you decide is your focus. You remember what you decide is important. And so when you decide something else is important, you will start actually having those thoughts more and that 80% statistic will start to change. And that 95% that's the same as the day before will start to be empowering as opposed to debilitating. So it's the same concept that you know energy flows based on where you focus. Um, and I totally, absolutely agree with that. That's fantastic. And so if someone wanted to reach out to you, Susan, to learn more about Growing to Greatness or any of your other, other endeavors, where could they reach you? Um, Instagram is the best place to find me. Um, I'm at sumodo17, S-U-E-M-O-D-O-17. Or email is always easy too, susan.moser at growintogreatnessnow.com. Excellent. Well, thank you very much, Susan. And if someone wanted to take one nugget of wisdom from you, from our conversation, what would you say would be the one thing they, that could help them maybe brighten their day a little bit or get them going on whatever adventure they want to take themselves on? I would just always remember and be grounded in a belief that your authenticity is the thing that is going to bring you the greatest joy. Don't question it. Just live it. That's fantastic. That's awesome. And uh, I don't like to use the overuse the words awesome and fantastic, but I mean, the mind is such a powerful tool. And then if we could just use it for and common book parlance, good instead of evil, yes. <laughs> some amazing things. And so one last question, Susan, before I let you go, and my audience loves to learn the answer to this. What is your favorite dinosaur? I mean, a T-Rex, obviously. <laughs> Why a T-Rex? Give me all the power, all the intensity, all the strength. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Well, thank you very much for joining me, Susan. I, I'm better for knowing you and learning your story. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad to have connected. Definitely. And so if you want to find out more about Susan, you can check out the information in the description below. Again, you can find out more about what I'm doing at linktr.ee forward slash Chris DT Gordon. You can find out about my speaking engagements, my YouTube and podcast channels, my uh, my speaking, uh, or my, I already said that, uh, the Chris D.D. Gordon Tag and Pop Shop, the book that I helped work on, Blue Talks Presents Business Life in the Universe, Volume 3, and all kinds of other things. Thank you so much for joining me today. Please have a great day. Remember to pass on perfection and go for greatness.